Good evening, everybody. Thank you for coming. I'm going to turn it over to our city clerk. Good evening. I call to order the regular city council meeting of Tuesday, May 2nd, 2023. The first order of business is to issue oaths to the newly elected candidates, including the mayor and at-large council members. I, Deborah Frank Finan, having been appointed to the office of mayor and city of Champaign Township chairperson and the city of Champaign and the city of Champaign Township and the county of Champaign aforesaid, do solemnly swear that I will support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the state of Illinois and that I will faithfully discharge the duties of the Office of Mayor and City of Champaign Township Chairperson to the best of my ability. Thank you. All right, before I get the pleasure of swearing in our other council members, I had a few items that I'd like to mention, and then I know that as they get sworn in, they also have a few things they'd like to say. I wanted to start with a special thanks to my husband, Chuck, and my daughters, Carly and Kate, um, for saying, yes, do it, when I talked about running for mayor again, um, knowing the work that it takes not only to run, but also to serve one selected. I also want to thank my extended family and friends that are also family. You know who you are. You're the ones who have walked in so many parades. You've listened to me talk about city business endlessly. You're the ones who are still there for me every day, providing love, friendship, and joy. I also want to thank all of the volunteers and the people who put up yard signs, who wrote letters of support, who supported me on social media, who donated to my campaign, knocked on doors, or did so many of the other important tasks during the campaign that allowed me to be successful. You are appreciated, and I couldn't have done it without you. So Frances Perkins, the first woman cab cabinet member and a Mount Holyoke College grad once said that a government should aim to give all the people under its jurisdiction the best possible life. And as I start this third term for mayor, I agree that our city government needs to continue to focus on people. I understand that we don't always know what the future holds and that the best laid plans can be derailed by events outside of our control as we saw during my last term. But even if we face challenges we can't anticipate today, I know that I will be doing it with amazing partners and my fellow council members, people who care deeply about our community, the absolute best staff, seasoned, caring, innovative, and hardworking, and a fantastic community filled with active and engaged residents 
who make our job interesting and worthwhile. I know together we will do hard things, make the best decisions possible, and work to create the best possible life for those who live here in this place that we all call home. So thank you. And now I get the pleasure of swearing in Councilmember Gladney if he would come up with his family. So please take the mic and raise your right hand. I should have worn my glasses. Um, <laughs> I, Matthew Gladney, having been appointed in the... Uh, hold on a second. There we go. All right. I, Matthew Gladney, having been appointed to the office of City Council Member at Large and City of Champaign Township Trustee, in the city of Champaign and the city of Champaign Township, in the county of Champaign, aforesaid, do solemnly swear that I will support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of Illinois, and that I will faithfully discharge the duties of the office of city council member at large and city of Champaign Township trustee to the best of my ability. Okay. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, <laughs> while he's walking away, I first want to thank my husband, Ashley, um, for, for pretty much everything. Um, he's a lot of what keeps me going. And he's my sounding board when we have a lot of stressful issues coming before us. And uh, I'm not sure necessarily which way to vote. And he listens to me. Sometimes he won't Sometimes he just lets me vent. Sometimes he will offer input. Um, so yeah, he is my strength. And uh, so thank you, Ashley. Um, and if you'll indulge me for a personal moment here too, um, the last two times I was sworn in, my mom was out in the audience here to support me. Um, she passed away in January, so this is my first swearing in uh, without her present, and I uh, miss her presence acutely. Um, but yeah, I, I want to thank uh, the folks who helped get me here because um, no one gets elected uh, by themselves. Um, uh, it's people who are supporters, whether they're helping you knock on doors, whether they're donating, uh, doing lit drops, coming to fundraisers, um, and just you know telling friends. Uh, it's all very much appreciated. Um, I feel that support, uh, and thank you to the voters. Um, you know, this is by no means my first election, but I'm still um, humbled and overwhelmed by the fact that people go in, into a voting booth and circle an oval next to my name. Um, I will do my best um, to represent you uh, here on the city council. And um, I look forward to the next four years. Uh, we have a lot of irons in the fire. Uh, one of the things we're going to be talking about tonight, uh, Garden Hills Project, uh, that's something um, that's still ongoing. Um, we have the gun violence reduction blueprint that we put into effect recently, and um, um, I want to see that through, and, and uh, we've already seen reduction in gun violence, and I want to see it continue to go down. 
Uh, we're working with Unit 4 on the LIFT program. Um, and a lot of these are funded through ARPA funds, the American Recovery Plan Act. Um, those funds will run out in this term. So we're going to have to way, find a way to review these things, see how they're doing, and then keep them going. Um, so I kinda, I'm glad to be here because I didn't want to like start something and then let other people try and figure out how to keep it going. So yeah, it's, it, it is an honor and a privilege uh, to serve you. And um, looking forward to the next four years. All right, next up is Deputy Mayor William Kyles. And when I look at the pictures from four years ago and I look at these kids today, I can't believe it. I, William Kyles II, having been appointed to the office of City Council Member at Large and City of Champaign Township Trustee in the City of Champaign and the City of Champaign Township in the County of Champaign aforesaid, do solemnly swear that I will support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of Illinois and that I will faithfully discharge the duties of the office of City Council Member at Large and City of Champaign Township trustee to the best of my ability. Well, I mean, everybody knows that, everybody that knows me knows that, you know, there's a part of me that has. I want to be so energetic, but I'm trying to be diplomatic. Um, of course, I would like to thank God for my family. I mean, you all coming behind and coming beside and the conversations that have evolved over these last four years, man, I don't want to embarrass my son and my daughter, but you know what? It's amazing. It's amazing. My wife, who is just, I mean, day one, and when... This to the, when, when people saw, I mean, people don't even know. When I first came to the city of Champaign, whoever saw a guy with a, a Salvation Army bike peddling, just trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents, and just the support that you all have had along this journey, whether through conversation or just saying, hey, just, man, just the little things that you do, like leaving me a plate. Like a little plate, just a little plate. When I come home from city council, you all have been amazing. Um, I don't have much um, else to say, but if you all ask uh, where someone, I think the reporter asked, why do I continue to, to move forward? And I would say without, I, without hesitation, without Christ, I just don't feel like I have the power. But when I get on my knees, take a step and, and pray about it, God allows me to see the potential in everything that we have. We have a beautiful city, and, and coming, you know, hometown, home city, Chicago, seeing what God has done in the city of Champaign, man. Like, I used to, when I first came here, I used to run home every weekend and grab something to eat. I don't do that no more. In fact, I told a lady, we were at the airport, Bruce, 
at the airport. I said, why you, why you, why you, why you, you don't have to go and get nothing over there. You can get something in the city of Champaign. And so the things that we've had over this last, that developed over these last, um, seems like few years together, has been nothing short of amazing, nothing short of powerful, and we've done it all together. And if so if anyone would ask, what are the next steps, is to continue to walk together. Yeah, we might have some disagreements. Yeah, we might agree to disagree. But I think there are a lot of agreements that we have. I think there are a lot of agreements that we have. I think there are a lot of agreements that we have. And let's work in those agreements. And not, let's not just be, like I always tell people, let's not just be, you know, the best city in the state of Illinois. Man, let's go for being the best city in the world. Can we do that? Can we do that? Let's clap that up. Thank you. All right, and we have Kathy Shannon, our new council member. <laughs> I, Kathy Shannon, having been appointed to the office of City Council Member at Large and City of Champaign Township Trustee in the City of Champaign and the City of Champaign Township in the County of Champaign aforesaid, do solemnly swear that I will support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of Illinois and that I will faithfully discharge the duties of the office of City Council Member at Large and City of Champaign Township trustee to the best of my ability. Thank you. Um, so I first want to thank my family who's running away. <laughs> Um, my husband, my younger daughter who was able to be here, and my older daughter um, who lives in Madison now, um, my sister, and all the family members and friends who have listened to my endless, endless political arguments and discussions and have always made me a better thinker and um, made me consider more people in all of my decisions. Um, I want to thank everyone who volunteered, donated, hosted a sign, gave advice, listened to me vent, let me cry on their shoulder. There were a lot of really wonderful people helping me out. Um, nobody, nobody wins any elected office on their own. Um, and I appreciate you so much and all your help. I will try to live up to your faith in me. Um, I look forward to helping make Champagne a more fun, beautiful, welcoming place for everyone, and uh, to make us a more environmentally and financially sustainable city. Thanks so much. All right, we're gonna take a five minute break before we start the council meeting. That way everybody can say goodbye to their families and you guys 
can stay if you want to for the meeting, but that way you don't have to. All right, good evening and welcome to the uh, City of Champaign Township meeting for May 2nd, 2023. I call this meeting to order and I would ask clerk to please call the roll. Board Member Fulmer? Here. Gladney? Present. Eningas? Here. Kyles? Here. Pianfetti? Here. Shannon? Here. Williams? Present. Beck? Here. Chairperson Finan? I am also here. Chairperson Finan, I move that we approve the minutes of the regular board meeting held April 11th, 2023. Second. Any discussion? All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Do we have any correspondence? We have none, Your Honor. Okay. Chairperson Finan, I move that we approve and put on file the summary of expenditures for March 2023. Second. Is there any discussion? Stand in for township supervisor. <laughs> you have anything you want to add, Brittany? None. Okay. <laughs> uh, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Does anyone wish to address the town board? So, um, town board issues? Seeing none, any town board comments? Supervisor. Deputy Supervisor. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't want Mr. Kornstrom to be upset with us for that. Um, I don't have anything really to share. I, I did want to um, just touch base on you. Your guys's. Um, did you receive the third quarter numbers for the shelter? For the shelter, yes. yes. I think okay. they were emailed out. Okay, great. I just wanted to, I don't get to talk to you guys very often. Um, so we serve just under 7,000 um, beds total for third quarter. Um, and we've seen a lot of successes and I'm really happy with the progress we're making um, and we're working towards, you know, being financially sustainable and we have eight new staff members starting on Monday. So we'll be at full, full staff at that point. And we've retained approximately 75% of the staff since we started. So it's just really exciting and we really appreciate your guys' support. Thank you. So our next meeting is June 6th, 2023. Chairperson Finan, I move we adjourn. Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed, same sign. Motion carries. We are adjourned into the city council regular meeting and post council study session. So I'd like to call this meeting to order. We just have a study session, right? Isn't that correct? We don't have any action items. But there are business items like minutes and audience participation, oh, okay. so we need to you convene. You confused me. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, we need to convene the regular meeting. Okay. Uh, all right. So call to order the regular meeting of the city council. Please call the roll. Council Member Fulmer? Here. Gladney? Present. Eningas? Here. Kyles? Here. Pianfetti? Here. Shannon? Here. Williams? Present. Beck? Here. Mayor Finan. I am also here. Um, I would invite you to join me for a moment of silence, followed by the pledge.
pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right. Do we have any special recognition? We don't. Um, uh, minutes. Um, there are no minutes, Your Honor. Okay. I thought the city manager just said there were. Sorry. <laughs> I'm totally confused tonight. <laughs> You'd think I'd never done this before. Um, all right. Do we have any correspondence? We do, Your Honor. We received email correspondence regarding Walk as One Coalition. I move that we put on file the correspondence received for Walk as One. Second. All right, we have a motion and a second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, same sign. Motion carries. We don't have um, any public hearings. We don't have any council bills. Um, do we have any audience participation? Uh, general audience participation, not related to the study session item. Please state your name and city of residence, and please limit your comments to five minutes or less. All right, uh, Craig Walker, City of Champaign. And uh, great to see this new council. I have not been here in a while. Um, I've actually bought two more joint clinics down in the Metro St. Louis area, so I spent about four days a week down there, three days up here, but I've been keeping track. City's doing great. It's funny how when you post stuff about only one shooting in a month, it hardly gets any attention. Uh, the good news doesn't travel as fast as the bad, but it does have the endurance to travel far. And so I just wanted to say that, one, I'm so happy for this council. I wasn't able to get here and tell Mr. Bruno goodbye, but, uh, you know, he was, a, he was a worthy, good council person. I hardly ever, dis hardly ever agreed with him. But like us all, he mellowed with age. And uh, his last term was actually very productive in terms of making things work totally for the city. His replacement is a real breath of fresh air. Nice to see that the council is very balanced out and um, kind of changed, too, in terms of the order. Uh, so I, I did have something I wanted to kind of throw out there. I was actually having a conversation today with uh, real estate developer Jay Lehman. And, you know, I think it was about a year ago, we said, you guys approved some programs, public safety, very sweeping programs, uh, innovative, out-of-the-box programs, in a time when there was a lot of uh, violence going on. And there was a lot of good faith on this council, and staff put together, like, one of the most incredible uh, public safety packages and and lo and behold what we're in March we only had what one the lowest amount of shooting of course we've got a really good police chief in here too that's inspired an already strong police department but I do want to say I really enjoy seeing him out in the community <clears throat> very active in the community and people who run into him always a positive response so I think the elements are there that, as you so uh, eloquently put it, Mr. Gladney, is we have to fund this now on a permanent basis. And I think that 
What I'm suggesting is, is that we get a community buy-in, sell what the progress has been, get out there, have community meetings of what is going on, how these programs are working, all the way from the social workers at Carl to the license plate readers, uh, all the various elements, and put together a property tax, public safety property tax, uh, and put it on the ballot and make it specific. If we can, I don't know the law. And last time I, I haven't met you, Mr. City Attorney. So Fred would pop it out, but I'm sure you got it. <laughs> uh, where the public can feel confident that the funds that they are approving for public safety will always be going to public safety, that they can't be diverted by other councils in the future towards other uh, uh, needs. And as part of that, include the packages that have been approved in, in terms of not just on the police side, but on the total package, the social service, everything, you know what we're talking about. And I got to believe when you look at the election results that have produced this council, I mean, that's going to pass. And more importantly, it'll get a community discussion about the programs that are occurring, what the success is, it'll be a chance to educate the community on the specifics about what's going on and how, I mean, I don't know, Chief, but you only had, what, one shooting in May? I mean, in March, the previous March, that's the lowest of ever. I mean, those are real results, tangible, and things that people can see. And so uh, it's just been an amazing, really good turnaround. I think, you know, fun for us who were here a year ago and saying just wait for a year you're going to see real results and uh, there was a lot of naysayers out there who felt that there was money being wasted but the problem is is that the programs that you're implementing work in other places so it's now time to gather those successes there's other ideas I'm sure how to fund it but let's get permanent funding done by March of next year, there's a March primary vote. We can put it on the ballot, or if you guys want to vote it. But it's just essential that we fund these programs and make them permanent. Thank you. Good luck. Looking forward to all your good work. Thank you. Mr. Miller, please state your name and city of residence. Uh, Martin Miller, city of Champaign. Um, I'm standing up here. I've been coming to the council as of March of this year. 22 years, and I don't watch this council change and grow until where a lot of stuff I can complain about. I can't hardly complain about it because the city took care of a lot of things. And um, last year when y'all did the low barrier shelter, um, that showed the people in this county that y'all care about people. You know, instead of talking about you putting money into it, I want to make sure, like Craig said, let's put some money, guaranteed money, put some on the ballot where that, that shelter will never close, you know, because it's needed. I'm, out, I'm the countywide um, person that goes out and deal with the homeless. I'm the homeless advocate for the whole county. And um, the shelter holds probably about 50 to 60, but it's at least about uh, between 100 and 125. And, um, Y'all just don't know how that shelter helped people, you know. You know, it gives us, I don't watch people go into the shelter and get some stability. Now they're in homes, you know, got their own place to stay. Um, 
from the stuff we do in the battle with the Banner Township with the families and what y'all do in Champaign, it's a, almost like a perfect fit in dealing with homeless people. And I'm so glad to have the council. And me and Bruno went back and forth, and I finally got him to say, and I hate that I missed the day that he um, didn't make it here, his last council meeting, that, he's, that he said, maybe we'll look into a shelter. And I knew once he said it, that if he said it, we could get it in action. Uh, and y'all got a shelter here. Um, with the chief, this guy here, great guy. He buys me breakfast sometimes. <laughs> but the conversation we had, um, the, the professional, uh, I used to claim how our officers didn't act professional in their uniforms. Some of them used to clown. We had some real cowboys. We don't have that no more. Um, I didn't stop and pulled up and seen the, the, the heart of when I used to see them. It was almost like they were looking to carry somebody to jail. Now I see the police looking to give people dignity and give them help, and that's police is to serve. And I see a lot of service coming from our police department. You know, um, I can just say so much. In the 22 years I've been up here, and I'm glad to see a new council. I hope we push forward and, and some more things like get some affordable housing, get some of these landlords to rent out some of these apartments to go empty. We got over 2,500 apartments every month that's empty in Champaign. If we can get them filled up, we wouldn't have no homeless problem here. But we got to get affordable rent here too, and we got and the city got to work with that. You know our rent. It's um, not based on what people make in this community, especially the working people. And we got to get a, a real base rent. Instead of, there's a one bedroom right now, average one bedroom is 750 A person on SSI can't even find a place to live. If you're on a fixed income, you can't get a place to live. Landlords are saying they need 700 credit scores, three times the amount of the rent for you to move in, and um, I think the council need to work on that. And thanks for having me up here, and I hope we keep moving in the right direction. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Is there anyone else who wishes to address council? Please state your name and city of residence. Please limit your comments to five minutes or less. Can I please have permission to use the... Uh, I'm not sure it's working. Is it, I, We'll see if they turn it on. It's okay. It was broken for a while. Oh, looks like it's on. Yeah, I don't think it's adjustable. Oh, it's not adjustable. Okay. That's the broken part. <laughs> Thank you. Good evening. My name is Leslie Krause. Um, I'm a lifelong resident of Champaign. I also have a passion for architectural history, as I'm sure many on the dais already know. It should therefore come as no surprise that Chicago has always been a source of awe and inspiration of, to me since childhood, and particularly its world-class skyline. I still remember riding the high-speed elevator to the Sears Tower Skydeck in 1986 and witnessing the panoramic view of three states for the first time. It was in that moment that I realized my passion for, and fascination for skyscrapers. And in fact, I still have my original model Sears Tower from the, uh, from the gift shop back in 1985. Um, well, in fact, tomorrow marks the 50th anniversary of the Sears Tower in Chicago, Illinois which was officially topped out on May 3, 1973. 
The front page of Sunday's Chicago Tribune reads, as you can see, still a trendsetter at 50. The building was originally commissioned by Sears Roebuck and Company in 1969. Being the largest retailer at the time, they sought to construct the largest headquarters, and indeed Sears Tower's impressive scale were immediately earned at the title of the world's tallest building, even eclipsing the Twin Towers of New York's World Trade Center. Uh, since that time, Sears, now Willis Tower, has become the destination for millions of world uh, tourists and a daily center of work and commerce for Chicagoans. Um, however, what many people may not know is that the building's unique structural design was conceived by the late Fazlur Khan, a former engineering student from the University of Illinois. Khan served as the principal structural engineer at Skidmore, Owings & Merrill, where he made his mark on several high-profile projects, including Chicago's other super-tall skyscraper, the John Hancock Center. According to the University of Illinois website, the Chicago skyline would hardly be recognizable without the towering contributions of Fazlur Khan, the structural engineer and Illinois alumnus whose innovative engineering is behind two of city's most recognizable buildings. He was born in East Bengal, uh, British India, now Bangladesh, in 1929, to mathematics instructor father. He came to Illinois in a Fulbright scholarship and graduated in just three years with a master's degree in theoretical and applied mechanics, a master's degree in structural engineering, and a PhD in structural engineering. Very impressive. Khan approached his craft with a sense of humility and grace that was consistently reflected in his award-winning designs, which were always functional, economical, and yet beautiful. This was in great uh, part due to his mantra. Um, uh, the technical man must not be lost in his own technology. He must be able to appreciate life, uh, and life is art, drama, music, and most importantly, people. Not only was he a creative structural engineer, he was also a philosopher, visionary, educator, and humanitarian. He said, quote, Think logically and find relationships which exist in every system because it will help you understand nature itself, making living more meaningful and exciting. Uh, Khan's impressive career not only earned him significant distinction in the industry, including numerous articles in journals and magazines such as this one, uh, where he was named uh, Man of the Year, um, but he was also one of just three alumni to be recognized by the University of Illinois uh, a few years ago for their sesquicentennial celebration, a musical arts performance which aimed to honor and reflect on Khan's achievements. The University of Illinois had this to say about Fazlur Khan. The performance expresses the important impact these scholars and many others at our university have made on public education and society. Khan, one of the greatest structural engineers of the 20th century, represents Illinois' place as a leader among all engineering fields. Many high-rise construction projects today and throughout the past 60 years owe themselves to the innovative structural systems designed by Fosler Khan. For this reason, Khan has been frequently dubbed the Einstein of structural engineering. Even Google celebrated his 88th birthday posthumously with a Google Doodle in 2017. Uh, for these reasons, I propose that the city of Champaign pay appropriate uh, tribute to the late Fosler Khan uh, with a historical street designation. Thank you for your consideration. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wishes to address the council? Please state your name and city of residence. Please limit your comments to five minutes or less. 
Hello, my name is Monique Van Gilder, and I actually just moved to Champaign um, in August of last year, so I am a Champaign resident. Um, I really just came because I wanted to see all of your faces, and I wanted to introduce myself because I'm sure I'm going to see you all in town at events, um, and I just wanted to to be here um, to say hello, honestly, as a new citizen. Um, I also wanted to bring to your attention, uh, because I work for the YWCA here in town, I uh, just wanted to make mention that we're no longer the YWCA at the University of Illinois. We're now the YWCA of Champaign County. So you're going to see us doing so many more things in the community, and I just hope to see each and every one of you um, at some of our events. Just wanted to say hi. So thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? All right, vouchers. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, I move that we approve the vendor payments of $2,611,941.71. Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed, same sign. Motion carries. I move that we approve the payroll of April 14th, 2023 of $2,229,157.94. Second. Any discussion? All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, same sign. Motion carries. I move that we approve the three investments, which are the following. April 17th, 2023, $6,596,024.40. April 19th, 2023, $6,511,859.63. And April 21st, 2023, $10,004,520. $10,004,502.63. Any discussion? All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, same sign. Motion carries. So we are now in our study session regarding Garden Hills. Am I turning it over to you, Lacey? All right. All right, thank you. Um, we seem to have a theme tonight about um, you know, planning for people. So this will be a really great um, opportunity. We didn't plan any of this, but uh, all the comments really dovetail nicely with our, our presentation. So um, uh, my name is Lacey Rainslow. I'm a senior planner here at, this, at the city, and this is my colleague, Eric Van Buskirk, who's an associate planner. I know you know us, um, and we will uh, certainly get used to calling uh, Commissioner Shannon, uh, Councilperson Shannon now. Um, so we're excited to give you this update for this exciting project on the Garden Hills Strategic Neighborhood Action Plan. So Garden Hills um, is a neighborhood in Northwest Champaign that was originally built in uh, the 1950s and 60s. It's a quintessential post-World War II neighborhood. So predominantly single-family detached ranch-style homes. You'll see neighborhoods that look like a carbon copy of this all across um, the Midwest in particular, but all across the country. In fact, my grandmother to this day lives in the house that um, was brand new when she moved in in the 1960s in a, a neighborhood that looks eerily similar to this one in my hometown. Um, so 
this neighborhood is really interesting because it was originally built in, in the county, so outside of the municipal limits, um, and then over a period of years and phases was uh, annexed into the city. So by 1994, it was fully annexed. Um, and as I you know, mentioned with the story about uh, my grandmother, uh, there are many residents in the neighborhood who who still live in the homes that they originally, you know, uh, lived in when they were first built, or they've inherited that home from their parents and had the home that they grew up in. They still live there. There are many generations who live nearby. Uh, and so people are very deeply rooted in this neighborhood, um, as well as folks who might be newer to the community or newer to the neighborhood who maybe are a little more transient. So it's a real mix of, of people. There are about a thousand uh, homes in the neighborhood. So for the purposes of the Strategic Neighborhood Action Plan, which we uh, call the SNAP um, for short, the boundary will be inclusive of the tax increment finance district boundary. So that's a little different than maybe what you picture in your mind's eye what the, the sort of neighborhood boundaries are. So that includes the areas um, to the east of Prospect Avenue that are a little more sort of commercial industrial, um, as well as the commercial uses on the um, west side of, of Mattis Avenue. So we want to be able to utilize this um, strategic neighborhood action plan as a TIF plan um, as well. So how did we get started with this effort? Um, as you're all aware, um, the, as we mentioned, you know, this was built in the county, and as many neighborhoods of this time period were um, constructed quickly, we had a huge housing shortage in that era. Um, it was not built with adequate uh, stormwater infrastructure, streetlights, sidewalks, things like that. Um, and so for many years, we've been looking at the neighborhood and studying um, flooding concerns in the neighborhood. So alleviating flooding, of course, is a primary focus of residents, but as we um, you know, listened uh, to, to residents at neighborhood meetings and many who came to city council meetings and shared input, you know, they shared other concerns as well. You know, obviously the lighting uh, concerns, sidewalks, increasing gun violence, things like that. And so we began collaborating with our colleagues from other departments to look at doing a neighborhood plan, recognizing that infrastructure investments are very, very important, but they're not going to address every concern that the neighborhood had. So how could we utilize those investments as sort of a catalyst um, for, for greater interventions? Um, so first things first, of course, in any, in any good planning process, we needed to connect with the folks in the neighborhood. Um, and of course, you know, we had residents who perhaps had limited faith in, in government, uh, were, were skeptical, were disproportionately impacted by all the things that the pandemic made worse. And so we wanted to start with just getting to know people. So that was our first step, you know, uh, not so much what can you do for me, but more, hey, can we... Can we take you out to lunch? Can we go out to coffee? Can we get to know one another? Um, and of course, this was a little bit uh, challenging because it was during a pandemic. So our, our process was moving a little bit slowly, but we were trying to be very intentional about it. Um, and then in 2021, as you're all aware, the federal government awarded um, American Rescue Plan Act funds to assist with pandemic response. Um, so in August of 2021, uh, staff, uh, I think almost all departments, uh, organized an all-hands-on-deck, uh, wide-reaching engagement process to understand how are we going to allocate those funds, right? We didn't want to wait. And so through that process, um, the community uh, pr prioritized allocating that funding, much of that funding, toward infrastructure projects and other projects with a significant focus on Garden Hills. So because that funding had some, as you're all uh, aware, uh, pretty 
uh, rapid deadlines uh, that really kicked the infrastructure design process into high gear. Um, and so we knew to get those designs right, we really had to get an engagement, um, an extensive community engagement effort going um, with the community. And so that slow pace uh, significantly changed in March of 2022 when, uh, you, when council, when you directed us to undertake the Hedgepot Park project. Um, as you all are aware, that project has been um, very, very successful. And of course, the circumstances are, are highly unusual. They may never happen again. Um, but that's a site that, of course, we own. Um, and um, a large site that would be sort of sitting uh, empty, if you will, full of potential, uh, but empty otherwise, uh, during the period that we were doing that design process. And so we had the opportunity, knowing that we needed to engage with folks and and um, have some positive interventions in the short term to do sort of a, a DIY uh, pop-up park space. Um, and that really was critical to um, our timeline for relationship building. You know, as important as um, that project has been just to provide uh, a, a gathering space for, for, particularly for young people, but for all people in the neighborhood, um, for this process, it was absolutely critical for the relationship building component of it. Um, because ultimately, the success of, of this effort lies in the relationship building. Um, so one example that I can give you as to why that was so important, um, earlier this year, we had um, our, our engineering team say, hey, we've got a really uh, important question we need to answer in the design related to street trees and sidewalk locations on Hedge Road, which the reconstruction is part of, of that project. Um, and they were going to go in one direction, and our um, staff, we were a little concerned that we really didn't know what the neighbor preferred alternative was, right? And there really wasn't necessarily time to pull a big meeting together. And so we said, well, let's just go knock on doors. Let's go out and knock on doors. If we didn't have this project, if we hadn't you know, built those relationships, I can tell you very few of those doors would have been opened, right? Would have knocked on a lot of doors, would have left information in the mailbox, but um, we wouldn't have really had conversations with people. Instead, in just a short time frame, in just a couple of hours, you know, we kind of rallied our team, printed our materials, went out, knocked on doors, and it was like a reunion, right? Oh my gosh, how are you? How was your holiday? You know, and it was a much different character. So we were able to get really great feedback in a really short period of time, hand that off to the engineer, and proceed with the neighbor's preferred alternative. And know um, ultimately, it's it's their project. It's where they live. We want to make sure it's serving their needs, and we were confident. Um, having that ability to move forward. So um, Bruce, our director, always tells us uh, people don't want to talk about process. They want to talk about outcomes. Um, so today, we're going to talk about process and data and maps, um, which are all things that we get really excited about. But we promise um, to make it interesting. Uh, so uh, process is actually really important. And uh, we, we want to give you sort of a comparison as to the, the approach that we're taking with this project. It's only really meaningful if you understand what a comparable traditional or sequential planning process looks like. Um, so in a traditional or linear process, um, you begin with your assessment or analysis, right? Your existing conditions analysis, crunching all the numbers, making all the maps. Go to the stakeholder interviews, draft your you know, plan, have your public open houses, and on and on and on. It's, it's one, then two, then three, then four, then five, right? So one after the other. You don't go to the next one until you finish the previous one. In this approach, um, for a couple of reasons, we're doing things a little bit differently. Um, number one, because of the sort of 
rapid timeline uh, for the ARPA funding and needing to have some of um, the answers that we need to have good design, we know we don't have the luxury of doing a sequential process. They generally take a lot more time. Um, but we also know in the sort of post-pandemic era, if you will, um, that we need a fresh approach to doing planning um, in a way that's really meaningful. And so um, we're, we're applying a, a human-centered design or design thinking kind of approach. So what does that mean, right? That sounds pretty jargony. My, uh, my husband has been a, a human-centered design champion for many years. And as I'm sure you're all aware, when your, your spouse is interested in something or someone in your household is interested in something, by default, you learn a lot about it. Um, so a few years ago, he was um, doing a train-the-trainer program at Stanford. And so I got to be the guinea pig, right, for those uh, trainings. And, you know, we go through it, we get started, and I will admit to you, I was a little defensive, right? Like, what do you mean human Like, I'm a public planner. I know human-centered design. Who am I planning for if not humans, right? Um, and so getting into the material and kind of applying that and looking through um, the information as we applied to our process, I realized that we actually had a lot of opportunity or room for growth. And so the biggest difference between sort of a traditional process and this more iterative process or the human-centered design approach is that instead of starting with assessment or analysis, you're starting with understanding and engagement, right? So you're applying that lens throughout. So thinking about it more in layman terms, if you were, you know, let's say you have a new colleague or a new neighbor um, that moves in, you don't go to them and say, hey, here's some statistics about myself. If you could give me your statistics, we can assess one another, right? And then we'll know about each other. You would say, hey, you know, can we, can we, you know, share a glass of lemonade or, or drink some coffee together and learn about each other. Tell me about your life. Tell me about your lived experience. And so looking at things through that lens um, and being able to say, okay, this is what we think we heard. Now let's find out if our, our quantitative analysis really matches that qualitative analysis. And, you know, back and forth, going back to centering that um, lived experience above anything else is is really important um, to this new approach, and we think it's um, going to be really effective here. So just to think about neighborhood planning, you know, this is something that we haven't really undertaken for quite some time. So the last neighborhood plan that we um, completed that's sort of a true or pure neighborhood plan would be the Bristol Park plan. Um, and that was truly a, a sequential type of plan. Now, obviously, um, I don't want anyone to be confused and think, you know, we're proposing to completely redevelop this neighborhood. That's not what we're doing. Um, but one thing to keep in mind um, about that approach was, you know, it, it was a 12-year timeline, really, before you, you got the information, got the information, adopted the plan, and then got to seeing change on the ground, right? With an iterative approach, you can go a little bit more quickly in, in order to get those wins on the ground a little bit more quickly and still continue to go through um, the, the planning or sort of, uh, um, you know, procedural kind of things. So what does that mean? So even though we're doing this sort of iterative uh, human-centered design approach, we're still approaching the Strategic Neighborhood Action Plan through a lens of data. And this can include uh, lots of boring things that planners love, like land use and the built environment. Um, but we also talk a lot of, uh, really into some census data to sort of understand who in this neighborhood we're going to be engaging with uh, the most. Um, 
as you all know, Garden Hills is a very diverse neighborhood. Um, it's majority minority um, with a significant um, black and Latino population. It's also a neighborhood with uh, a low and moderate income. Um, many of the block groups in this area have some of the lowest incomes in the city, both for households and for family. Um, it's also a neighborhood that is um, very dependent on transit. Um, uh, I think over 50% of the households only have one vehicle. Um, and so this can look a lot of different ways. Maybe it's just a single parent with one car, but oftentimes it's a multi-generational household with one vehicle. And there, uh, you know, maybe one person is at work and the other is at home or relies on the bus uh, um, or walking or biking to get where they need to go. And we can start to pair this census data with our own internal data. For instance, here, um, what we call sidewalk gaps. Um, this isn't really a sidewalk gap. It's mostly a neighborhood without any sidewalks. Um, but we can start to understand how do we build stronger connections to existing transit or to destinations like Garden Hill School, um, the craft plan, or local employment, um, and start to build those uh, build ideas into our plan that we can implement either through the infrastructure project um, or through other strategic projects. The other um, thing that we observed from being in the park all summer and from the census data is this is an incredibly young neighborhood. Um, there are a ton of kids in this neighborhood, um, more so than probably any other place in Champaign comparatively both children under five, so very young, not, be, not in school, and then also school-aged children. Um, and just to compare this, um, almost 30% of the neighborhood are um, school-aged children or, or younger, which is significantly higher than the city at large. This is also um, a neighborhood that is um, maybe on paper well served by parks and open space, but in reality it is very um, unconnected and many of those um, parks and open spaces don't actually have amenities that match the needs of neighborhood residents. Um, so this is a good example of um, taking some data that we have, say locations of parks, and saying, okay, um, we know that it's generally a good idea to be within a half mile of a park, right? That's sort of best practice. Um, and we can draw a half mile bubble around all those parks and say, there's great access to parks in Garden Hills, when in reality, um, no one is going to fly over the interstate or fly over a railroad track to get to these parks. In particular, on the southern side of the neighborhood, um, the two parks, Citizen Park and Thompson Park in the Northwood Edition, have nothing in them. They're essentially open, grassy lots. Um, and so the, uh, the park on the north side of the tracks, which is basically inaccessible to residents on the south side, is the only opportunity for recreation. Um, and that sort of led us into um, making a, proposing a more permanent park space at the Hedgepot Park location. Yes. So looking at um, the site plan, just to familiarize everybody with um, the latest uh, site plan, the, the site is about eight acres in size. It's very large, but it's very long and linear. Um, so it's sort of, you know, four Glen Park basins in length, right? Very long. 
Um, but recognizing that we did have an opportunity for that that green space sort of aligning with um, Garden Hills Drive, roughly where the pop park is today, um, we really wanted to think through, you know, looking at that data, understanding there were a lot of kids, um, what kinds of activities would um, those, you know, people, young people in the neighborhood like to, to do in the neighborhood and how would they like to utilize that that space. Um, the, the city has a, a well, it's becoming a long tradition at this point of including these kinds of recreation amenities in our stormwater retrofit projects, right? So um, I have a friend who's a, a civil engineer um, at Farnsworth, and she described it sort of as a comparison, if you think about Square Lake or the Healy Street Basin, we call it Square Lake, um, versus the Boneyard uh, Basins. It's sort of like a landline telephone versus a smartphone, right? They They both can make a call, but wouldn't you rather have a smartphone because it does all these other things? It's the same kind of thing. They can both hold stormwater, but what are those impacts? What are those positive benefits? And so um, we've been you know, taking that approach that these are opportunities to address environmental equity. These are opportunities to um, create a recreation amenity and improve quality of life. And so there was always an intention to have you know, the gazebo and the green space. Um, but as we really talked to people and, and learned from them, um, as Eric mentioned, this was a real opportunity to try to solve um, and address that recreation shortfall. And so the, the location of the park space um, is proposed to be in the middle um, where that north-south uh, crossing location would be uh, with two pedestrian bridges, so one over each um, basin, and then at each of those bridges, would there would be a raised crosswalk as well as a raised intersection um, at Hedge and Garden Hills Drive to address some some speeding concerns. Um, and uh, when we were here talking with you in October of last year, um, we. Uh, requested direction to reach out to the Park District uh, Board to um, begin negotiating an intergovernmental agreement. So generally, that's how these projects work. You know, there's the overall um, stormwater, uh, you know, project, and then there's the, the recreation space, and there's an intergovernmental agreement for maintenance of that space. Um, so we, we spoke to the Park District Board in November, and they um, supported that effort and directed their staff to begin working with us on negotiating that intergovernmental agreement. And so we're putting the finishing touches on that as we've been working with um, Hitchcock Design Group, which is the landscape architect um, that's taken all of this feedback, and they've got about three quarters of an acre, and they're really maximizing what's possible within that space. Um, so this is a concept sketch that includes um, all of those top things that the residents requested. So there's a basketball court, there's um, in, in the north... Um, West corner, this brown circle is a, a story circle, so it's sort of a semicircular bench where you could do story time, you could do, um, there's some, some groups that meet that do sort of group therapy, all of that would be possible there. Um, in the center, there's a, an astroturf sort of multi-sport um, lawn space that you could use for many purposes, um, a traditional uh, playground on the east side with um, some fitness stations, and I won't uh, demonstrate necessarily which ones those are, um, but things like presses and pull downs and, you know, so not simply the, um, the pull down or pull up bar for those of us who have never done a pull up. This is something that, you know, more people can utilize. Um, and then what's really interesting about the proposed design is this splash play area here in blue. Um, so many of um, the homes in, in the neighborhood were not built with uh, 
with central air conditioning and recognizing that um, you know climate change um, is making summers hotter and that um, a basin with water in it will be very attractive to young people. Uh, per, and we don't necessarily want to attract people to the basins. Um, it's an alternative, right? A way you can cool down and play in the water without getting in the basins. Then a, a, an area with uh, picnic tables and grills and then the hardscape area um, right in the, in the middle. So that can be programmed for all kinds of events and activities. Then you can see um, the, the walking trail that goes all the way around. So uh, speaking of the Hedge Pop Park, just to give everybody an update on um, sort of the timing and the timeline, uh, looking at the construction schedule uh, for the project, um, it looks like the goal is to go um, to bid, I believe, in, in late August. So construction could begin in, um, in September or October, depending on how that um, process comes together. Uh, but that allows us to have the pot park for one more summer, to utilize for one more summer. And so we've been refreshing the space. If you go out there, we've got some fresh mulch. We've um, added some, um, they're actually like stock tanks you would use to water cattle, but we're using those as, as planters. Um, so we'll have some garden plants, some fresh vegetables and flowers and things like that in the space. Um, and then we're also working on, on programming. So um, we'll have Mother Goose on the Loose back. We'll have um, Fairy Tale Court, which sounds a little interesting, um, from Land of Lincoln Legal Assistance. If you want to see um, see what that looks like, please come out and participate. We'd, we'd love to have you. Um, the the Neighborhood Association will have a game night, uh, I think every other Thursday. And then Equity and Engagement will have a, a, a sort of celebration on Fridays. We'll have something going on on Tuesdays. So there should be a lot of activity in that space. So uh, tonight we're asking you um, for direction to continue working with the Park District to um, complete the draft intergovernmental agreement for the management of the future hedge park, so the permanent park, and to complete the Garden Hills Strategic Neighborhood Action Plan by the end of 2023 and to address any council comments. Thank you. Any technical questions? Councilmember Beck. Thanks for your presentation. A uh, couple questions. Um, so as you're planning this for the summer, you mentioned a couple different departments that would be involved in activation of the space. Um, can you describe what the staffing will look like and what the load of staffing will be for that? Sure, yeah. Um, so with um, the, the Tuesday evening, it's about two hours. And so that's something that the planning and development department is kind of taking the lead on. So we'll have some programming. And then we also have an opportunity to kind of pair that programming with um, the community engagement um, activities. So things we might need final, you know, feedback on from a design standpoint or making sure that folks have that information related to, hey, at this point, you know, construction will be underway and, um, you know, this is what you can anticipate, answering those final questions. So for us, it's kind of a way to um, continue that, those relationships and the, the outreach component. Um, but quite frankly, um, I think we're very interesting and the information we share is very interesting, but it's not as interesting maybe for young people as if we compare that with some, some programming and activities. We do um, pizza and things like that. So we kind of lure people in, um, I guess you could say. And then um, the the neighborhood group is sort of taking the lead on the, the Thursdays. I'm not as engaged with that. Um, with equity and engagement, I believe that's uh, that's utilizing their um, justice victim advocates and um, impact outreach workers. Um, and I, I believe some blueprint partners 
are really going to be there kind of providing the, the programming. So a way to, to share their um, services with, with folks. And then that's an afternoon thing. So they will provide, I think one of their partners is a, um, one of their providers is providing um, lunch for, for participants as well. Okay. And then going forward, is your plan as part of the intergovernmental agreement then to promote that the park district will then be responsible for space activation and um, making the programming for the space, or would the city still retain as part of that intergovernmental agreement the activation of space? Sure, that's a great question. Um, that's, I guess, sort of an unknown, but the, the idea or the initial starting point would be that as a, as a park space, right, as a park district space, um, it would function like any other park district space. Um, and so generally, you know, the, the programming that they do um, is sort of dependent on, you know, what their funding is. Um, we would have the, the maintenance agreement, so they, that's really the focus of the intergovernmental agreement as compared to other intergovernmental agreements, but we could certainly address that um, through that agreement process um, if there was a desire uh, to put that, to require that as part of the agreement. Mm -hmm. And um, just to clarify, do we have similar kinds of agreements with any other parks that we have intergovernmental agreements with them on. I know that there are parks that are solely the park under park di district jur jurisdiction, and then there are some that we have that are our land, but we have a maintenance agreement with them. Do we have any agreements that they do space activation at all in, in other park agreements? I don't, not to my knowledge. We have mm -hmm. lots, as you know, we have lots of agreements, yeah. so I haven't looked at every one, um, but uh, the ones that I'm familiar with generally address the the maintenance or management of space, not necessarily the activation of space. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if, as a public space, certainly if we would want to hold an event there, we would, you know, collaborate with them and say, hey, we would like to reserve this space or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know that any of our other agreements have that within those agreements. Mm -hmm. um, that's not to say that this couldn't if that's something that council right. desires. Right. Okay. Thank you. Anyone else? Technical? Anyone in the audience wish to address this issue? You guys don't have to move because I don't think anybody's coming up. <laughs> All right. Council comment. Anybody? Council member Beck. Um, I just want to follow up my, for my questions to explain my, my questions. So I think one of the most important aspects of this park in addition to providing the space that will be fun and much prettier and much nicer uh, for that, that neighborhood is the actual use of the space and having planned activities for that space. For me, that's really the crux of the matter um, when it comes to making a park there. Because we, originally, we could have just made a, a retention pond. It could have just been a retention pond, but we saw the value based off of the observations of staff, the observations of, of council members that were there at those pop-up parks, that there's a real need and desire to have programming for, uh, for the neighborhood in that space. And it was used. It was, there, it, there was a lot of engagement happening. Um, and clearly, uh, there was a thirst for it in the neighborhood. So I think that um, what I would like to see is to have a more um, robust agreement with the park district that would include uh, some description and some parameters of 
space activation and the responsibilities of that. Um, you know, I, for me, this, we're, we're not in the business of being parks and rec people. Um, typically, our, you don't see a, a city planner going and, you know, planning games and doing that kind of engagement, uh, unless it's in the context of a charrette, right? I mean, then maybe, maybe then we're like, we're super excited about doing a game of some kind so people can put their dots on things. But, um, but typically speaking, that's not the role that our city planners play. So um, unless we're gonna make a department within the city that would be responsible for doing that kind of space activation, I really think that our partners uh, in the park district are great great place to, to put that responsibility um, because they are, that's what they do. Um, and they have a board that directs that in our community. And certainly I think that this is something that they could embrace. And I also think that it's a, that it would be a really opportun real opportunity for them to grow and provide services to a neighborhood that's in desperate need of it um, and potentially reaching a, a population that I know they want to reach, and I'm sure they do, um, because, you know, as you said, 30% of the neighborhood are, is youth, and that is a big piece of what Parks and Rec does is serve the youth of our community, although I, I like the parks too, and I partake in the parks too, and so do adults, so I'm not opposed to having events there that would be adult-oriented too. Uh, when I say adult-oriented, I mean, you know, something like adult <laughs> exercises or something. Uh, so um, I think that that would be a really exciting thing to have in the agreement. So um, just want to put that out there uh, and see if other council members would also be interested in having something like that in the agreement. Councilmember Pianfatti. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, and I just wanted to echo Councilmember Beck's comments because that was the uh, one of the things that I was going to recommend as well that for me, um, I think given some of the comments that were said during the presentation and um, shared in the document, um, I think it would be a missed opportunity for our um, park district not to want to engage on that level. Um, I think you have um, created a perfect model for them in some of the other spaces in our community that they might be able to do similar uh, things that you have done here. And so to miss this opportunity to do that, I think would be a lost chance for them. And so I would love to see that conversation take place as you are working out the intergovernment agreement. It might create some more levels, <laughs> and I know a little bit more work on your part as you're working all this out, but it just, for me, I, you know, similar to what Councilmember Beck was saying, um, we've sort of done this work, you've done this work, right? And now if we want to continue it and to sustain it and to continue to grow it throughout the community, they have to be an engaged partner in a lot of different ways. And so I would love to see that conversation happen. So thank you for bringing it up. Thank you for doing the good work that you're doing. Um, I'm just really excited to see it um, on, on the agenda tonight and to keep keep moving it forward. So thank you. Councilmember Fulmer. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, yeah, so thanks so much for uh, your work on this project and also all of the work that you did last year. Um, it, I think uh, the award you, you earned um, was well-deserved, and I think um, that 
that, uh, as, as my fellow council members have noted, um, it's really that engagement that you all did that made it so incredible, really like a, a great opportunity. And so um, I, I do hope that we can explore some kind of permanency in programming. Um, you know, I, I certainly uh, perhaps hesitate to say, but, um, you know, I, I would be willing to explore funding options if that's an issue. But I do think that um, we have put our foot forward and, and really done a lot of the legwork here. And um, I would like to see the Park District um, maintain and continue those relationships. Um, it was, you know, being out there and seeing you all engage with the folks that live there um, really proved, I think, how important that engagement, that one-on-one um, -on -one work is. And so I hope uh, and, and know that the Park District wants those kinds of lively events and, and people out using their spaces. So I, I hope and think that they would uh, want to support that also. Um, and just a, a couple of quick uh, comments. I really love the raised crosswalks at the pedestrian bridges. I think it's brilliant. I think it's a great way to um, slow down traffic. I know that's been something that we've heard a lot. So thank you for your um, your thoughts there. Um, and the splash pad is brilliant as well, um, encouraging folks to use that as opposed to uh, being tempted by the basin itself. So thank you. Councilmember Shannon. So I also agree the programming is key. And I, I want to emphasize it's not just um, about giving kids a place to play. I truly believe that having an active space like this um, is an anti-violence initiative. Um, it's, it's creating a community. It's creating a safe space, the, a park that has lots of people in it and lots of activities going on um, becomes, uh, instead of a vicious cycle, a virtuous cycle, it brings more people out. It gets more people to know their neighbors. It um, is less likely to be a place where, um, where not so nice things are happening. They will go somewhere else. And so our neighborhood becomes safer and safer through the programming that's in the park. And so this is super important. I, I don't know, we have, if, since we haven't put it into an intergovernmental agreement, in the past, I hope that it will be something that you all can work out. <laughs> um, but I would love to have the Park District be a partner in the city's ongoing, not just anti-violence, because that's kind of a negative thing. Instead, it's more about community building, um, activating and building and growing neighborhood relationships. So I, I really, really like that. The other two comments I had, um, I'm so excited that you were able to continue the relationships with people that you said it was like a reunion and that's wonderful. And I hope that there is a way to continue that in the future, that we don't, that, that your department doesn't lose touch with this neighborhood, that there are ways that you can continue to push into that neighborhood. And I also hope um, that there are ways that you can continue to do this iterative human-centered planning. I know I, this was obviously a unique situation, but I love the idea of incremental changes, doing you know these small bets. I mean, this was a perfect, perfect, perfect um, uh, example of that. And it was, um, 
and it worked out so very well. So I would love to see us do this with other projects, even with small projects, even with, you know, yeah, these parks are just ex essentially just a vacant mode lot. And yet somehow finding ways to activate those as a neighborhood space and finding ways to bring neighbors there um, to, to get together with city staff, um, I would love to see that, what, you know, however that looks like in the future. Listen, we got a lot. Councilmember Williams. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Thank you to you and, and to city staff for what you've done with this update. Um, <clears throat> I, I will also agree with my council members about the city, um, the, the park district coming together with those those programs. It, it will be essential for that area in, as it relates to revitalizing the sense of community in that space. And to what you what you've done already is you've done you've kind of set the bar extremely high. So I want to make sure that that we can continue that on and continue to serve that community um, as we as we should have. And also um, just the map. I really like the reading area um, where those, like we can, you said, the, what was it, the, um, the nursery? Story, story, uh, story Circle? Yes, on the loose. yes, the yeah. Story Circle, yes. I really like that area where those people can come and just, children, daycares that are in the area can go and read books to their, um, to their, to their, um, their, their students or even uh, walk from Garden Hills over to that area. So, no, thank you for what you've done. Thank you so much. It's great. Councilmember Gladney. Yeah, so thank you for the presentation. Thank you for the work that uh, you know you the, the folks here at the city did with the Hedge Pop Park last year, and are going to be doing this year as well. I heard nothing but positive comments about it, and um, I stopped by like the grand opening. It was it was a lot of fun. People were having fun, and you know, I mean, it's it's no secret that parks enhance neighborhoods and usually makes people happier, gives them like pride of place. Um, and you know, one thing that we've heard um, over the years is sometimes that like, our youth don't have enough to do, like, or, or they're sort of at a, at a loose end. And so you know, we're providing programming for, for them to do things. So I think that that's great. Now that said, I'll just echo the comments that have already been made. Um, as great of a job as our city staff have done with this, um, we have a whole governmental unit that specializes in parks. In fact, it's in their name. Uh, so. Uh, far be it from me to speak for the Champaign Park District, but I know that they would love to uh, partner with us and then eventually take all this over and do what they do best. And, you know, we'll have a great uh, open park space in Garden Hills with lots of programming that the Champaign Park District uh, uh, will do. And I look forward to that day. But in the meantime, I look forward to this summer when uh, we continue the, the good work uh, that's already been done. Deputy Mayor Giles. Uh, I, thank you for the presentation. Thank you also for your work. Uh, I do remember the, uh, the, the, uh, the sweat equity uh, that you all put in. And I just echo the comments of our fellow colleagues. Um, pretty can't say it any much better. And I think that ultimately the one thing that I, I hear is, and I agree with, is that without the the partnership and the activities of the Champaign Park District, um, you don't have that, that, you need that system in place and the structure way after we move on to other things as we uh, continue to build in the city. Anybody else? Councilmember Iniguez. Yeah, I just want to also say thank you for all the work by uh, 
everyone involved. Um, not much else to be said that hasn't already been said. Um, I'm most excited for any kind of fitness equipment that you guys will be putting together. I'd love to see Garden Hills just be the most fit, awesome, jacked community that we can make it. So, <laughs> Blue zone. We need to have a blue zone in Garden Hills. Um, thank you all for everything that you did um, and are continuing to do. This is my favorite project I think that we've ever had um, at the city and being out there watching the kids and watching them interact with all of you and the fact that the planning department basically gave up their summer last summer. I shouldn't say gave it up because I think you took a lot of good things away as well. Um, but, but you all were amazing and continue to be amazing. My only question is, did you uh, swear Zaire in for another term? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and I look forward to uh, working with Park District on the partnership. I think um, we have the potential to kind of create a process um, as council member Kyle's alluded to for additional areas within the city. I know that there are lots of neighborhoods that are saying, gosh, this was great. Can you do it in mine? Um, and I, I don't know that we, the planning department has the capacity to do that all over the city, although we'd love for you to. Um, but I, you know, I am, I am sure that we will find a path together because it isn't really, it's not single programming. I mean, you all coordinated, but it was the library and it was the Hip Hop Express and it, so University of Illinois and it was the RC car track. And, and so there was just a lot going on and we certainly need that coordinating entity, but I'm not sure they have to be the only one delivering services. And so figuring all of that out, I think, is possible. And I know that we'll be able to work with them to make that happen. So thank you. Um, our poll is to direct staff to continue to work with Park District to complete a draft intergovernmental agreement for the management of the future Hedge Park and to complete the Garden Hills SNAP by the end of 2023 addressing council comments. Councilmember Iniguez. Yes. 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 And yes, you have direction. Thank you very much. Madam Mayor, I move we adjourn. Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed, same sign. We are adjourned.